Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. So if I were to ask you, do you have any unresolved trauma in your psyche? Could you... Could you answer that accurately? Do do you have do you have unresolved trauma in your psyche? How would you how would you know with confidence whether you do or you don't? The the curious thing I find is that when you start to um, get feedback and watch and and learn about other people, so many of us have like gone really gone through the ringer in some fashion or another. And some of us have gone through the ringer many times in our life, train wreck after train wreck. And, and, and do we ever, do we ever stop and uh, heal ourselves to, to really truly sincerely heal ourselves and I guess perhaps maybe the question is, how could you tell if if your psyche was um, clean, so to speak, so to speak, clear, um, without trauma or grief or pain or sorrow? Sometimes. We can go through really tough events. Like uh, I know recently, uh, a friend of mine lost his his mother, and he was immediately thrust into the role of of uh, managing her body, the funeral planning. His mother passed away, and then immediately all this um, workload, I guess you'd say, landed in his lap. And he couldn't, what I'm getting at is he had to kind of suck it up and get through it, slug through it. He didn't have the the luxury of processing the, the the pain of what had happened, and and then for me a no brainer is my father in World War II. Um, his his psyche was seared with horror in a moment. I mean kill or be killed and and that went on for a year and a half and I wasn't even around when that happened and decades later I, I grew up under his shadow and he had so much imprinted on his psyche uh, it was really a tempest for him to just manage it and get through the day I suspect I suspect all of us have some some level of unresolved grief or sorrow or pain or et cetera in our psyche and it's become the norm. It's it's like a background numbness, if you will. So so I'm really stoked about tonight's episode 
Tonight, the topic is powerful ways to overcome grief and reclaim your joy. And our guest tonight is Emily Thoreau Threat. We're going to bring her on in just a minute. But I want to I want to just go back to this this you thing, you the listener, you you right now, you you you. It's all about you. Who in your life, who who do you know that you think is is healthy in the sense that they're free of trauma, that they're free of grief. They're free of of uh, imprinting in their life, and and what I would follow that up with is how can you tell? The how many times have you met somebody like uh, perhaps uh, Robin Williams comes to mind, um, a, a famous actor. And he's a comedian. He's he's full of laughter and joy, but he he certainly had a a closet full of uh, skeletons in his psyche. So, I mean, uh, uh, we have a lot to talk about tonight. I think we should get to it. But I want you to think about yourself. How. How much unresolved torment, grief, pain, sorrow, how much is in your psyche if you were to go and look for it? Oftentimes we avoid pain because who wants pain, right? I mean, who wants pain? But if if we avoid pain, we accumulate pain. Well, let's get to it. I think it's. I think we're going to have a great show tonight. Again, the topic is powerful ways to overcome grief and reclaim your joy. And our guest is Emily Thoreau Threat. In life, we all experience grief. Much of the time, we feel alone in our grief, and we don't know where to get help. Emily was like that when her husband died. She learned she learned much the hard way when he died and felt lost. When her second husband died, grieving was still tough, but she was so much better prepared. Emily is an author, host of the Grief and Happiness podcast speaker and facilitator of the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Join me in welcoming Emily to the show. Emily, it's great to have you on the show. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Well, you've really you've really taken grief and put in the magnifying glass on that. Can you share with our audience your um, how how you've come to this point in your life? How how did grief become such a, a pivotal topic in your life? Well, I've experienced so much loss in different ways throughout my life, but I've also experienced a lot of wonderful things in my life, and. I found that when I didn't deal with with the loss or the the grief or things that had happened to me, that they interfered with my quality of life and being able to live my best life and be authentically happy. So I I was fortunate enough, enough to have two really wonderful husbands. I was married to Jacques for 22 years and we did lots together. We had a lot in common. And a lot of things that weren't so in common, but were very interesting. For instance, he was a philosophy professor, and he he specialized in bioethics and dealt with uh, living and dying, issues of living and dying. And that was long before I thought anything about doing anything in that field. But we had lots of conversations on that, and he seemed kind of serious along that line. But 
beyond that, he was an actor and singer, and, and he, he was just so much fun to be with. And we did lots of live theater together and in many different capacities, ending up owning our, our own live theater and school of arts and uh, cafe. And it was, it was an art gallery, a really big uh, undertaking that we did for about seven years before he died. And that was wonderful to be able to have all that joy that came from that. And as much as we had talked about the issues of living and dying, when it came right down to it, I think that he thought that the the two years that he was really ill before he died, in, in and out of the hospital a lot, I think he thought he was going through all these medical treatments and going to the hospital and everything that happened. He was doing that so he'd get better. And I didn't realize until right before he he died that that was what he was thinking. And that really bothered me that that I hadn't picked up on that sooner so that we could have talked about it and maybe worked through it. And he he wouldn't have been struggling so hard through so much pain and uh, really uncomfortable things that he wouldn't have had to if if he would have realized that it, it didn't have to be that way. But I was I was very lonely when when he uh, transitioned and I just wasn't sure what to do and I ended up not doing much of anything. I'd go to work and come home and sit. I wasn't reading or watching TV or going out and doing things. I was just sitting. And I recognized by the end of that that first year that that's what my mother had done when when my dad died suddenly she was totally unprepared for it and she just sat kind of for the rest of her life and when I, I came into that realization I thought I, I can't do this I have to do something that's going to uh, allow me to live my life it's not that I would get over my husband because I, I would love him forever just because he died didn't mean the love went away that I, I needed to figure out what to do, and it was about New Year's. So I decided what I would do was make one intention for the year instead of writing a bunch of resolutions. Because I'd done resolutions in the past, and they never got anywhere like most people. <laughs> but I wrote the intention. It, what came to me to write down was to accept invitations. And I kind of thought about that long and hard because I thought, why, why did this come to me? Because I'm not getting any invitations. <laughs> so <laughs> why, why would I be accepting invitations? And I thought, for some reason, this, it felt so strong to me that that was what my intention was supposed to be, that that's what I did. And as soon as I made the commitment to do that, all these really wonderful opportunities opened up for me that I never would have thought of on my own. They weren't on my radar at all. And I met so many fascinating people and got to do so many wonderful things that I, my whole life changed from just making that, that one decision. And it also made it so that when, because uh, I had decided that I would never date or go out with anybody again because I felt like I was still married to my husband just because the traditional ceremony says from death to you part that it doesn't really happen that way. But by doing this and being able to get out and interact with people and find things that gave me uh, joy in doing them and, and in helping others and all the experiences that I, I was having was so good, I was ready then when I met my next husband to be open to a relationship again. And I had the privilege of being with him for uh, 10 years before he died. And and he was as opposite from Ron as he could have, I mean, he was Ron. He was as opposite from Jacques as he could have been. And that was okay. It was a whole new, different experience. But he had lived in, in Maui long before I met him. And when he realized that his health was failing, he said he really wanted to move back to Maui. And I'd lived in California my whole life, and I wasn't sure <laughs> I wanted to make that big of a, a move but that's what he really wanted so I just said yes and I'm so glad I did and we got to be here two years before he died and when that happened I thought okay now what do I do I'm I'm in a place away from most of the people that I've known and loved for years 
I, I don't have like a job to go to. Um, I was still teaching online, but that's not like being, you know, seeing people in person. And I just started writing because I've written for so many years. And I kept writing about what should I do? How, you know, how can I move forward? And discovered that the kinds of things that I was writing, I could teach other people how to write. And that would help them with dealing with their grief. So I started doing that, and and it was quite wonderful. And it allowed me to meet a lot of people here on the island where I live. And it it just progressed and moved forward from there. And in the meantime, one of uh, Ron's really dear friends from the mainland, they were family friends, uh, he just dropped dead one night, no warning at all. And he was much younger than we were. And I was very worried about his wife because she had two daughters to raise on her own now. And I'm sure she had never thought about not being having her husband with her. So I decided to, to support her because usually when somebody dies, People are around you for for a bit, right? Right after that happens, and then they kind of go back to their lives, and you're all by yourself. And I was concerned about that for her, so I decided I would write her a note every week for a year about something that could be happening during her grief that would give her something to think about, and uh, something that could be positive, something she could do, lots lots of different things. So. Before I started the project, I thought I'd better make sure I've got 52 different things I can write about. And so I made a list, and I did have 52 things. And when I looked at it as a, as a writing teacher, because I taught at the, writing at the university for so many years, I thought I have an outline. So that led to my books. That's where my books came from. And as I was doing that, I was thinking there's something missing here. I really like helping people deal with their grief, but something was missing. And it finally dawned on me that happiness was what was missing. And so I decided to make it grief and happiness instead of just grief. And everything that I do now focuses on that. I have my podcast, Grief and Happiness Podcast. My book is the Grief and Happiness uh, Handbook. My first book was Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. And I created a, a box of cards that have this 52 thing on them, so there's in there with things that can help you to read on one side and on the other side it has a beautiful picture that I've, I've taken here in Maui because I, I walk a lot and there's so much beauty here so I'm always taking pictures and I had way more than 52 pictures to choose from so each each car has a beautiful comforting uh, picture on the back and so I've done that and then uh, I started this online group where we have gatherings called the Grief and Happiness Alliance, and we get together every week on Zoom, and we write about something, and it's different every week, and then we talk in small groups about what we've written, and then we learn the happiness practice, and it's just an hour long once a week, and each time that that we close out the session, everybody's smiling. And that makes me happy because I feel like I've accomplished my intention with that, with being able to bring happiness to these people. And I I do lots of other things along that line to to help people, whatever their trials are, to find a way to be happy at the same time. So that's my story. Nice. Well, the, you know, whatever is holding us down and there's plenty on this planet. I mean, uh, people struggling with uh, uh, addictions, uh, alcohol, drugs, whatever, um, grief, sorrow, loss. There, There's the idea of, of getting back on your feet. I mean, getting back to maybe a functional member of society but you're really not I'm um just cuz you get back up on your feet and you can go into work and you come home and 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 you're back to a uh maybe you got over the addiction you got over this or that 
and you're functioning, but I really like how you fold in the happiness, the happiness um, element to it. Because I like I like questions, <laughs> like as a person, as a listener, as whatever. How can we tell? How can we tell that we're we're um, whole? How can we tell that we're we're not only through it and functioning, but past functioning and and thriving and happy? That's what I like about the happy element. Um, when you look at happiness as it relates to grief, how does that how does that help to pull you out of of to, or perhaps to pull you forward into a more um, nurturing life for yourself? If that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does, and and I like that you said to help you move forward because that's that's the goal here. Because trying to just totally change everything, uh, for one thing, won't happen real quickly, and people often lose lose hope when they they try something and it doesn't work, and so they just feel like they failed and they they can't get over whatever it is that they're dealing with. So when you look at it as moving forward and each thing you do is like a building block or a step forward toward having the, the life that you, you really want to have now. And I think that writing helps. I know it helped me a whole lot with that. And that's why I put so much emphasis on, on writing about things because you can discover things through that. Uh, and an example I can give you of that was um, in high school, I it was a victim of a crime and it was it was extremely traumatic and I never could tell anybody all about it. They they just there was no way that I could say everything that happened and uh, the perpetrator ended up not being punished as as much as I thought he should have. Um he did have to, to go to jail but he, he would have if had I told the whole story, there would have been more there and that bothered me because I was always concerned that he would be out and he'd find me, and it, well, it was it was kind of terrifying, and that hung over my head for a long time, even when I'd moved far away and I knew I'd never see him again. But I I was still carrying that with me, and finally one night when I was teaching a night writing class and I had the students writing, I thought, well, I'll, I'll write along with them. I often did that. And so I started writing, and the story of what happened to me started coming out on paper, and I'd never done that before. And I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote after I got home because I wasn't finished yet, and I had a whole lot to write about it. And once I got it all out on paper, I thought, you know what? That was in the past, and my life is really good right now. Why am I letting that control my thoughts sometimes or make me sad sometimes? that I could just realize, focus on, on the good that I was experiencing, on the people that I loved, that uh, the, the really good life I had at that point, instead of having that in the back of my mind all the time bothering me. And I think that's really gotten me started on the, the writing to help people with loss. And with uh, there's so many different kinds of loss. Like I, I live here on... Maui, and we recently had that absolutely horrendous firestorms on the, the island that just in, in a matter of hours, an entire town was wiped out, not just houses, but the whole community, everything was, was gone, including a whole lot of people died. And that's, that has loss and trauma on so many different levels. And I've been helping people by finding different things to write about and, and finding positive things. Like I talked to one woman the other day, and she said that she and her husband realized they were going to have to evacuate kind of suddenly, and they weren't getting notices of you've got to get out of here, which was one of the big failures that, that went on, that they, they picked up their dog and went out of the house and 
started going the way that they thought that, that would be the, the way to get out of where they were to get away from the fire, and the dog ran the opposite direction. And they just panicked because they felt like the dog was running into the fire, but they were so attached to their dog that they ran after the dog, and it turned out that the dog saved their lives because he took them the direction that got them out of trouble, out of, out of the, the harm's way. And if they would have gone the direction that they wanted to, they would have gone straight into the fire. And I just thought that was such a, a, a wonderful story that their, their love for their dog saved their lives. And, and when you focus on the positive things that happen, even when it's in the midst of a terrible situation, you can see the love and the, the joy that can come from that. Wow, what a story. What a heroic dog. The, yeah. uh, well, when you talk about writing, and what I'm getting at is, I mean, painful events are, well, damn, they're painful. Some of them hurt yeah. a lot. And, and when you talk about writing and whatnot, it too um to i guess connect or process what i'm getting at is when grief has come upon us by any mechanism by whatever mechanism grief pain sorrow is now upon us and and it hurts it hurts how do we i mean if we if we run away from it, that doesn't seem like it's going to give us long-term solutions. How do we, no. I guess I'd say, yeah. process? How do we process grief? Uh, first, I, I don't encourage people to run away from it. I encourage them to, to deal with it. And there are certain tools that you can use that are really valuable that can help you that people don't necessarily think of when they're thinking about grief. And one of them is forgiveness. Who do you need to forgive about what happened or what needs to be forgiven about what happened? And until you can really forgive whatever or whoever needs to be forgiven, you can't get very far. But by working on writing, write a list of things that need to be forgiven related to the situation. Uh, like with that fire, they people needed to forgive the people who didn't do the notification so that people weren't knowing that they needed to evacuate. And most of the people that I've heard of that were responsible for that are, are having great trauma because they didn't realize that they were not doing it. They had no idea how big the fire was or how fast it would go. They didn't know exactly what they were supposed to do in the situation, even though they thought they did. So once they started writing it all down, they said, oh, okay, I did the best I could under the circumstances. And when the people that were holding that against them could say, I know they were doing the best they could. It was never their intention to wipe out this community. They were victims just as much as we were. And when they started looking at that with forgiveness, that's that's a, a wonderful tool to deal with trauma and loss. And another thing that really, really helps is gratitude. And some people say, oh, that's just woo-woo stuff, and it's not. <laughs> the more you realize what you are grateful for, the better you are. Uh, one person, again, with the fire, since that was recent and it was very traumatic, I have lots of examples with that, but I, I met this one young woman who uh, lost everything but her car. For, for some reason, her car was parked in a place where she could get to it and she could drive it away fast enough that she she was alive and all of her stuff was gone. And when I was talking to her, I said, well, how do you feel about that? And she said, I'm so grateful and I said, really? And she said, yes, I'm alive. I have my car. I can get around. Everything else is just stuff. And when she, she realized that she really felt that way, that gratitude totally changed her life. She could go forward knowing that she could, she could go forward and that there was more to life than stuff. 
Wow. Well, you'd, you'd mentioned earlier that um, when your when your mother had lost her husband, that it sounded like she never really got over it, and and no, she didn't. And that that heartache. Um, I don't know if the, you know the, the she carried that for the for the rest mm-hmm. of her life. And and that's what I was kind of alluding to at the beginning of the program. Sometimes we take on um, grief and and we come out of it just far enough to get back to being functional, but yet if we can if we can go deeper and and heal more of that, I think yeah. uh, I think all of us would probably benefit from it. I mean, how many times do you see a movie or something and you know, it it might sound silly, but when I see a rescue going on, and it can be a flipping fireman getting a, a cat out of a flipping tree, sometimes it triggers some mechanism in me. And when I see a rescue, I just well up in tears. And I'm like, <laughs> you got to save them, man. You got, and, and I wonder yeah. if... I wonder if there's still unresolved stuff in my psyche. I'm not because any time of feeling. So we have quote we have our normal, whatever our normal is. I feel normal. I feel the way I always feel, and then and then we find these pockets of emotions that like a movie or whatever can trigger and here comes out of our psyche here comes a welling up of emotions you've mentioned writing what are some other things we can do to to kind of um it's not like uh we're looking for pain but to revisit it and and heal it at a deeper level well, I I like writing uh, mostly for this sort of a thing, and that's my experience with my mom was one of the things that that got me really looking at this sort of thing and how I, I wished I could have helped her at the time, and I hadn't thought of anything yet or didn't feel like I was able to. But one of the things that that I recommend to people is to write lists. And for you, for instance, with your um, emotion with the rescues, you might write yes. a list of have you witnessed rescues in person that, that had a big impact on you or have you wished that something or someone would have been rescued that wasn't? And, and you, you didn't even have to write about it a lot, but you write just write the, the list. And as you examine those things and you can work through that, and it could be, that by doing that, you can see things that you need to forgive or that you need to be grateful about. And all of those things can add up together to really help. I think lists are one of the greatest things you can do with writing because they, they give you the, the content that you need to examine to accomplish what you want to. And somebody like somebody, um, somebody using drugs said that they didn't know why they used drugs. And I said, well, write it down, write a list. I want you to write a list of all the reasons that you do that. And the more they did that, they realized that that's not what they really wanted to be doing and that they were surprised that they'd allowed themselves to do that. They found out all kinds of things. And once you started finding those things out, they were able to seek help from the good counselors or whoever it was that they needed to have the help to really help them move forward. I wasn't in a position to do that, but they could, because they were discovering things by writing a list, it could make a big change in their life. Yeah, I can, I can see how that would, would work. You're taking your attention. So you sit down to write a list and, and you're going to write a list as, as to why am I having this experience. You're putting your attention on 
on that element of your persona that you want to dig deeper with. And when you write down it, I can see it like uh, layers of an onion. You know, the the first Mm -hmm. layer is, and you write down the first layer and, and now it's ink on paper and you're sitting there looking at it. And now that you've gone down one click, one step, then the next step becomes revealed to you and you write that down and the next step reveals itself and wow I, I like that the the power of writing a list it list is fabulous because if you don't know what it is deep down that's the problem then you can't fix it it lists help you identify whatever it is, and it could be that there's lots of little things that you need to work on that will work together to fix a big deal or to help you with a big deal. Or it could be that you've got a big deal that you've got to work on, but you'll discover that by writing a list about things that are involved in whatever it is. Right. Well, so let's uh, flip it over. I mean, the second part of the title is happiness, the grief and happiness handbook. And I would ask the audience, are you happy or do you have episodes? Do you have episodes during your week, during your day, where you're genuinely happy? When was the last time you had a deep belly laugh? When you laughs really hard? <laughs> When we t- when we talk about happiness, I don't. I'm not so sure there's any boundaries to some of this stuff. Can you share some of your experiences with how happiness, how to how the the vehicle I would say, the vehicle of happiness, has helped you shift your psyche where where you're not always in that grief you're not always in that sorrow that that's that's a really good question and it's really important because we generally as a society don't think about happiness it just kind of happens when it happens and, and people don't really concentrate on making opportunities for them to be happy and i realized in in my life i've done so many things and i've been very busy a whole lot of the time and so i was very focused and very serious and that led me to not be smiling much hardly at all and when i got together with ron he'd say to me why don't you smile <laughs> he says i know you're not unhappy and i said no i'm i'm happy and he said well prove it smile <laughs> you know when somebody tells you to smile that's the last thing you can do <laughs> But it really got me thinking about it. What does make me smile? What does make me happy? Uh, What do I really enjoy and why aren't I doing that? So it's, I have found that doing all this work that I do now, and I I gave you that big long list at the beginning of this, of stuff that I'm involved in now that I never thought I'd be doing all this stuff related to grief. And there's tons of it that I do, and I help so many people, and it makes me feel really good. And one thing I say to people now that they're surprised when I say it is that I'm happier now than I ever have been. I don't have a husband with me now, which would be wonderful if I could have one of my husbands or another husband, somebody, some wonderful relationship. And and I can be open to that, but I'm not, I don't have to have that in order to be happy. I can be happy because I I love where where I live. I love the people that live around me. We have something in Hawaii that we call ohana, which is the word for family. And I, my son lives with me, but besides that, I don't have any blood relatives in Hawaii at all. But I've got a big ohana here, bigger than any place I've ever lived, of people that we truly love each other. We go in and out of each other's houses. We help each other out however we possibly can when we need to. We celebrate things together. We smile and laugh together. And I have a lot to be happy with there. But if if you think that you're having a hard time being happy or you can't find reasons to be happy, make a list. That's, that's always I'm kind of be going back to making a list. <laughs> what would make you happy? You know, one of the things after, after Ron died, I thought, what can I do for me that would be something that I've never done before that I'd like to do? And 
there were two places in the world that I wanted to visit. And I had never really thought about a way to get there or what to do or whatever, but I found a way to go to both places with an organization uh, in ceramics because I, I love to do ceramic sculpture and there's this international organization and they take groups of people and they're two, like two years in a row, the place, the two places that I wanted to go were where they went and one was Bali and one was Tuscany. And I was able to go with people. It wasn't like a group of tourists. We were all people who were ceramists and we went places where we could do ceramic workshops and where we could see ceramic museums and, and architecture and things that, that were made with ceramics. And it, both trips were absolutely fabulous. And I wouldn't have thought about doing that before if I wasn't thinking about what can I do right now that's out of my frame of reference of anything that I've done before that allows me, it was like those invitations that I told you about that I was accepting that each one of them was for something I'd never done before and hadn't thought about doing. And they both broadened my life so much and brought me great joy. And I'm, I'm really happy now when I look at one of the pieces of ceramic work that I did while I was there that I've got here at the house. Or uh, I think about the experiences in Bali that we had and the, the cultural things that are so different and so beautiful. And all that brings me happiness. I, I, I just It brings me joy. I'm really happy that I did that. And they opened me up to... This is so great. What else can make me happy? What else can I do that, that will bring happiness into my life and into the lives of those around me? How can I help others be happy too? I like that. What else, what else can I do to bring myself happiness? It, I think sometimes we dig ourselves in a hole when we you know, like with the loss of a spouse or a, a friend or whatever, we have this memory of how good it was. I mean, you talked about uh, Jacques and Ron being so different. I mean, sometimes, so so say perhaps you've lost your first spouse and you have memories. What What I'm getting at is, Sometimes we we use the past as a measuring stick to decide about choices right in front of us. In other words, that's right. You know, when I lived in college, it was so much, or or maybe when I lived with this person or that person, we had so much fun. We had so much fun, and I just love it. And now I want to recreate and. Sometimes we really mess ourselves up when we try to recreate exactly in the universe. Never wants to go back and and copy yeah. something <laughs> from the past, but we kind of hold it as a measuring stick. I was having so much fun then, so I'm, I want to find something just like that. And and yet, um, there's so many different ways we can have the same more or less joy that our memory is showing us how do we how do we break that mold of what we think uh where happiness comes from and i think you're going to say Liz. yeah Liz. of course (laughs) you decide you decide you want to break that mold you realize that you're not 20 years old and in college now you know right right different and different things make you happy now than made you happy then so Explore new things. We can never live long enough to explore all the wonders and beauty and joy and happiness and things that could be just tremendous in our lifetime. So just pick one and go after that and then pick another one. And don't don't feel like you have to do what you did before because there's always more out there. And no the matter what we get there. No. <laughs> <laughs> No matter what age you are, I guess, no matter what your life situation is, there's there's got to be huge realms of happiness, or, or perhaps another word would be arenas of happiness. You know, I, I like the idea of uh, going in a bookstore, and they'll have... Uh, 
magazine racks. You know, here's woodworking mm-hmm. and, and here's photography and here's travel. It, uh, sometimes uh, we don't know what's going to give us an opportunity to discover something about ourselves. And I, and what I like about those is if you can get out of your head, and that's probably mm-hmm. the toughest part, because we look at a topic, oh, photography, oh, I, I don't know if I want to do that or not. I have to get a camera and figure out blah, blah, blah. And, and our heads talk us out talk us out of what might be something we really enjoy. Like, um, I never knew writing was going to be a big part of my life. I had no clue. I didn't see that coming, and my mind tried to talk me out of it over and over and over again. Thank God I didn't listen to my mind. Yeah. In, in your book, you... You provide quite a few things, uh, playing, um, dancing, showing appreciation, writing letters, wonder, awe, and amazement. I'm just reading the titles of your chapters. Well, now, wait a minute. Chapter 25, reinventing yourself through your closet. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is that about? Well... How many of you people listening right now have a closet full of stuff that you haven't worn in the last year or that you don't wear on a regular basis? When you can start releasing things from your life that no longer serve you, that can give you more space to have more experiences and to do something new, wear a different kind of clothes where do a different kind of activity that you need different clothes for. Like if you join a gym and you don't have any gym clothes, you can do that. Or here in Hawaii, you might need a new bathing suit or something that's different. But when you release all that stuff, it makes space. And space is so wonderful. So when when you can do that sort of thing, and there's always somebody. I I have a friend that goes every week to this it's kind of like a rummage sale that happens once a week at a, at a church, that, and they've been using all the money that they bring in to help the people who with the fire here on the island. And they, she said, so if you've got anything that I can take over, well, boy, have I been having a fun time getting stuff out of my house, not just my <laughs> closet, but other things that I thought, well, if I didn't have anything, I sure would like to have a cake pan so I could make a cake. You know, so, and, and I, I, I don't need more than a cake pan, and I've got several. <laughs> so what can you release that, that gives you more space in your life to be able to try something new or different or enjoy? Or do, you were talking about the magazines at the bookstore. One of the things that I did was I, we've got a wonderful art center here on the island, and I started taking classes in different things. I think I've taken a class in just about everything that they offer there now, and I found things that I really love to do and other things I'm glad that I tried, but I don't need to do it again. But I right. never thought I could draw, and I love drawing now. I love doing watercolors now, and I never knew I could do that before. So just be open. Very nice. Well, that's that's a beautiful segue because chapter 26 is be open to love. Now, um, love, when we lose love in our life, and sometimes, I mean, of course, death can take it, but so can divorce. And, yeah, there's lots of ways. And... and 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 love can love is love is love is tough i i lost a very dear friend of mine very unexpectedly he got cancer a very dear friend of mine he got cancer he went to the he went to treatment and a year or whatever later they gave him a, a clean bill of health wow Great. He he threw it. We're good. And I'm and so this is like maybe six months later and I'm talking to him on the phone and he's 
he he we worked together in broadcast television and he was designing microphones and he said I'm working on a new microphone design you know uh I'll give you a call in a week or so and and we can go from there and I hung up the phone and thought nothing of it and uh during that week he had a relapse he went to the hospital. He died. His family decided not to have a funeral, and they cremated his body. Mm. And so he was ashes, and I had no clue. Oh, wow. And and um, his daughter was posting... His name was Elliot, and his daughter was posting the stuff about Elliot. I'm like, who the hell is she talking about? It couldn't be, like, my friend. And I read it two or three times, and then it hit me like a flipping freight train. It's like, oh, my God, Elliot is, he's dead. And that crushed me in so many ways. That just... It was hard to breathe sometimes. And the pain of that came from the love, I think, that we had for each other. When we experience pain, deep pain, with the loss of love, it's not that the love goes away, but the love certainly hurts. How do you, how do you even lick the wounds enough? I mean, how do you go back up, you know, step back up and say, let's do it again? You know what I mean? I think your experience with two different husbands, how do you, how do you step back up and say, I want to love again when you've gone through a really painful experience with love the the first thing in a situation like that is to experience self-love and help you get comfortable with yourself and what what's still here what you do have you'll always have the love and affection for your friend that's not going to go anywhere you might not be able to say it to them in person but you can write them a letter and that's that's one of the writing exercises that you do a lot, like a lot out of. It. It didn't get to say what they needed to to whatever they lost or whoever they lost. Write it out. Write them a letter. Tell them from deep in your heart exactly what you feel and what you're experiencing. And it's one of those things that once once you do that, it's part of the process of releasing. And I'm not asking you to release your love or friendship, but you're releasing having to have things the way they were before and making space for something else that can happen now. And you can't do that if you don't take care of yourself in the process because a lot of people just stop. Like my mom had just sat there. She couldn't move forward because she didn't choose to. She didn't know how. But you can by taking good care of yourself. Right. I I realized I was really angry with him. I was so angry. Oh yeah, anger. Yeah, that's for leaving. Normal. What the hell? Yeah. Where did you go? What's going on? Well, an hour can go by pretty fast, and uh, I want to make sure you have an opportunity to promote your your books, your cards, anything else you want to promote. Your web page. Can you tell the audience about your books and where to get them and, and et cetera? Sure. My, my books and my cards are available on Amazon. And the one book is Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. The other one is the Grief and Happiness Handbook. And the cards are the Grief and Happiness Cards. And we have our gatherings once a week and on, on Zoom. And you're, they don't cost anything because we have a nonprofit organization who sponsors us so that we can help people with, with grief and happiness without having to pay for it. 
Uh, and you can contact me through either of my websites. One of them is griefandhappiness.com, and the other one is loving and living your way through grief. And you can contact me from either one of those. And I can send you a, a link so that you could come to the gatherings. And the other thing is right now I am co-sponsor or co-hosting an international summit called From Morning to Light. And the morning is spelled with a U, like when you mourn the loss of someone. So it's From Morning to Light. And we have 20 different speakers that uh, over the period of 10 days to a day give interviews and talks that are just fabulous and very, very helpful. And we're it will end on the 27th, so you've got a couple more days when you can listen to them on the day they come out. But you're, all of them are available to you through the end of the month. And, again, it's, it's free. And if you want to keep them all and listen to them later or throughout your lifetime, there's a, an option to be able to do that, too, with a, a contribution. But I, I really encourage you to do that. And if you're interested in, in that, you can contact me through my, my website. The easiest one is uh, griefandhappiness.com and go to the contact link and say, please send me a link to the summit or to From Morning to Light, and I'd be happy to do that. Well, very nice. Um, well, we're pretty much uh, out of time. Do you have any closing thoughts for our audience? Sure. Right. <laughs> right. Make lists and be happy. Very nice. Well, Emily, I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. I've I very much enjoyed this episode. Oh, thank you. It was it was wonderful to talk to you. We've been talking with Emily Thoreau Threat, and the topic tonight has been powerful ways to overcome grief and reclaim your joy. You know, the I would suggest when I drive around, I see some pretty long faces, some pretty checked out people, some pretty numb people. I mean, volumes of said people. And to, to see a persona, uh, happy, engaged, passionate, um, alive electric is is it should be the normal i would suggest uh, much more than normal and and that's why i started off the episode saying look you the listener look at your psyche look at your persona when, when was the last time you laughed really hard? When was the last time you challenged yourself? Maybe challenge yourself in a big way to, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, learn how to play an instrument to the point of performing in a concert. In other words, don't just poke at it with a stick. Roll up your sleeves and engage a challenging, exciting, and passionate idea that might come your way. Take the time to look at yourself. Take the time to to be honest with yourself. Is is your life what you want it to be? And and what would what what would make your life more enjoyable for you? Well, I want to thank you, the listener, for joining us tonight. I've really enjoyed this episode. Until next time. This has been a New Human Living broadcast. If you're looking for spiritual resources, there's literally hundreds of podcasts just like this one, free online. You can find them at newhumanliving.com. If you sign up for the newsletter, I write a weekly blog that helps you contemplate the nature of nature, contemplate the nature of your own human genome, contemplate your own human potential. How powerful is that? I can say it's powerful because you are powerful. 
I want to thank you for joining us in tonight's broadcast. I appreciate you, the listener. Until next time, thanks for listening.